Good morning, church. How are you doing today? You're doing good. I have not been up here in such a long time. It's so good to see you. It feels good to be back. The last month or so, I've been traveling all around the world. I spent two weeks in Mexico visiting my family and then two more weeks traveling all over Chile and it was a blast. I have so many stories to share with you. And for those of you that are interested, next Thursday at 7 p.m. in the chapel, I'll be sharing pictures and stories from all my crazy adventures and the things that the Lord showed me. And it's gonna be fun. Everyone's invited, men, women, friends, neighbors, bring whoever you want, it should be fun. It's a pretty informal gathering. Uh, but we'll have fun there. Uh, but today, I do want to share with you a quick sneak peek about my travels. And I particularly want to show you a picture from what was probably the most exciting slash nerve-wracking experience from my time in Chile. And that is the day that I climbed a volcano. Look at that cool picture there. There were so many volcanoes around me, but the one that I'm standing on is called Osorno. And that volcano is part of Patagonia, not the outdoors brand, the actual mountain range in South America. And the volcano is 9,000 feet, feet, feet high. And it is the most active volcano in the entire country. That's why I decided not to tell my parents about this until I had done it. And that experience of climbing to the top and fighting the wind and standing back up when I fell, because I fell so many times, it was one of the most rewarding experiences of my life. It was literally a mountaintop experience. And I share this with you because in a way, this experience was similar to our story today. As you know, we've been going through the life of, of Joseph, and Pastor Dave has done just such a fantastic job at keeping us depressed with all the tragedies that happened to Joseph. <laughs> Poor guy, he was hated by his brothers, sold into Egypt as a slave, sent into jail unjustly, and then completely forgotten by the cupbearer. It's been rough, it's been tough for Joseph, but today the story turns the corner. Whoa. See? Special effects and everything. <laughs> the story shifts for Joseph and we begin to see him rising to the top, rising to the places that God had prepared for him from the beginning of time. And the way that Joseph navigated this journey, the way he faithfully and patiently climbed to the top is such a wonderful example for us today. So we're going to pay close attention to it because as amazing as it is to stand on a mountaintop, what many of us forget is the effort, the discipline, and the courage it takes to get there. So if you have your Bibles, please go to Genesis chapter 41. That's where our story picks up today. And I'll give you a little bit of time for those of you that do look it up. Um, if you're on your phones, you probably don't need as much time. Last Sunday, Pastor Dave told us about Joseph's time in jail and how he interpreted two dreams, one for the cupbearer uh, and one for the chief baker, and he interpreted both dreams accurately. The chief baker was killed, and the cupbearer was restored to his position, and before he was restored, Joseph talked to him and said, hey, hey, don't forget about me. When you get there, just put a good one in for me, because I'm kind of here stuck. Talk to Pharaoh about me. And the cupbearer, of course, forgets about him completely. Completely. He forgot about him. And two long years go by before Joseph hears anything, any kind of news. 
That's where the story picks up. Verse 1. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by a river when out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and not gaunt, came up out of the river and stood beside those on the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek, fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. He fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy, full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. In the morning, his mind was troubled, so he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told him his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. And let's pause there for a second. Because once again, we have dreams taking a big, big role in how this story unfolds. Everybody's having dreams in this story. Joseph, when he was a kid, the cupbearer was having a dream. The chief baker had a dream. And now we have Pharaoh having this crazy dream. And he doesn't have a clue about it. No one can interpret it for him. And what he doesn't know, at least not yet, is that these dreams were coming directly from God. They were a message from God for him. And the reason why I wanted to pause there is because some of us, when we read passages like this, we say, well, God doesn't speak to us like that anymore. He doesn't talk like that anymore today. And I'm here to tell you, oh, yes, he does. He does. And he talks to us in so many different ways. He talks to us through others. He talks to us through a message. He talks to us through his creation. He talks to us through his word. His word. You want to hear from God? You want to hear a message from him? Open your Bible. You'll encounter him, the voice of the Lord. That is one of the primary ways in which he speaks to us. His word. Now every now and then... He chooses to speak to us through a dream. And he does that still to this day. And I know that he does that with you. Surprise, surprise. I'm convinced of that. Just think about this with me. Have you ever felt a burden for someone or for something that is not right in the world? Have you ever had a vision of how things could be in your family or in your church if only we trusted God a little more? Have you ever visualized yourself helping someone, going to another country to serve, or doing what you like doing the most? Have you? That's God sharing a dream with you. That's God speaking to you through dreams. Do you know how many times I saw myself speaking in front of hundreds and thousands when I was a kid? So many times I cannot even count. Long before I ever grabbed a microphone, I knew that public speaking would be part of my story. What I didn't know at that time is that that was a dream that God had planted in my heart. But I knew that I would be speaking at some point, and I was so convinced about this that when I was in high school, still was not a believer, didn't really know God at all, I moved to New Zealand to finish high school because my English was horrendous and I really wanted to practice English and learn it well. So I moved all the way to New Zealand and then at the end of the year, they had what they call a big assembly. And at this assembly, they, everyone from school goes there, parents, 
friends, visitors. It's like a graduation ceremony kind of thing. And I don't know if I was extremely courageous or extremely naive, but in my broken English, I went up to the, to the principal a few weeks ahead, and I said, can I give a speech in front of the entire school and the entire town, because it was the only high school in the town. And I don't know what she was thinking, but she said yes. And I don't, <laughs> my, my English was pretty broken. And I cannot remember what I said that day. I don't even know if they understood me, but I cannot forget the feeling inside of me and knowing that I was made to do this. And that day was the very first time I gave a public speech. In my second language, isn't that funny? I think God was up to something. <laughs> he needed that long to start preparing me because there was long ways to go and still is. God still speaks to us in dreams today. There is a famous saying that says that a journey of a thousand miles begins with a first step. I'm sure you've heard it, right? I like it. It's, it's pretty cool. It's kind of inspirational. But I want to slightly tweak it because sometimes a journey of a thousand miles begins with a God-given dream. The dream comes before that first step. What kind of dream is he sharing with you? Because he is sharing something. In our story, Pharaoh's had this dream, and he's clueless about it and about its meaning. And not only is he clueless, the Bible says that his mind was actually troubled by it. And for any ancient Egyptian, this would make complete sense because the dream is loaded with symbolism that's a little foreign to us. And for one, the river, that the dream, uh, in, the river in this dream is the Nile River. And in a land such as uh, Egypt, such a dry land, the Nile stood out as the biggest source of life and sustainer of the economy. And I actually took a picture using Google Earth of Egypt today. You'll appreciate this. <laughs> um, this is Egypt today. And, and can you see how wherever the Nile goes to, how it meanders, there's life around it? There's, there's greenery, there's agriculture, there's life, food. So the Nile was a pretty big deal, still is. Also, both cows and grain represented prosperity. In fact, cows were considered a divine animal, and you can see them depicted in many of their hieroglyphs. As, as you can see them as divine beings, and they were also considered emblems of fruitfulness and even fertility. So, of course, his mind was troubled. <laughs> the economy and prosperity of Egypt was at stake. So he called his wise men and magicians, and no one could interpret the, deem, the dream. And that's when the cupbearer finally remembers Joseph. Finally. He comes up to Pharaoh and said, today I am reminded of my shortcomings. He finally thinks about Joseph, so he goes on to Pharaoh and explains to him how when he was in that prison, there was this Hebrew guy that interpreted two different dreams, both correctly. Maybe he wants to talk to him. And Pharaoh obviously wants to talk to Joseph. But before we keep going with the story, I want to stay with the cupbearer just a little longer. Because the passage makes it sound like he was so sorrowful for having forgotten about Joseph. But I am not sure about that. I have a very hard time believing that in two long years, not once did he think about the man that came to him in his lowest moment. I don't buy that. 
I have a feeling that he just did not care about Joseph, that all he cared about was himself and his good standing before Pharaoh. So when Pharaoh was in trouble and he needed some help, he thought, hmm, I could get brownie points if I bring a boy to interpret his dreams. Bible doesn't say that, I'm just speculating, but either way, (laughs) either way, the truth is that when things went well for the cupbearer, he completely forgot about Joseph. Just forgot. And aren't we all a little bit like the cub bear? The moment things begin to go well in our lives, we tend to forget that it was God who brought us there in the first place. We begin to turn a little bit more self-sufficient, a little bit more independent, a little bit more arrogant, some of us. And sometimes that's not even intentional. It just happens. We, we forget We forget. And not only do we forget about our need for God, we also forget about all the people that helped us get there. Because there's always people that help us get there. People that that invested in us. People that were patient with us. People that believed in us, that gave us second chances. And some of us can turn extremely selfish when it comes to reaching our goals. The reality is that no one gets to the mountaintop alone. No one. That's just not the way it works, ever. Because along the way, God always finds ways to bring people along to help us, to challenge us, to stretch us. And sometimes those people are there simply to remind us that our journey is not all about us. And maybe someone needs to hear that today. Notice how the story unfolds for Joseph. When Pharaoh sent for Joseph, he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to him, I had a dream and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph Joseph replied to Pharaoh. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. And just a few things I want to mention here. Number one, let's not forget about the whole context and where Joseph has been for like ever in that prison. He was there for many years. He struggled a lot, I bet, and this was the first time he was out. This was his perfect opportunity for him to build a case for himself, to explain what had happened, and hopefully get a chance at being released. This is a chance, but he does none of that. He's not thinking about himself. God called him to serve, and he shows up to serve someone who is in need, and it turned out to be Pharaoh. The second thing I want to mention is just the way he humbly approached Pharaoh. When he was given the opportunity to take all the glory for his gifting, instead he gave all the glory to his God. When Pharaoh threw all those compliments to him, when he said, I heard you're pretty amazing at interpreting dreams, he could have said, what can I say? But he didn't. That's not what he did. The answer was, no, 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 it's not me, it's God. I cannot do it, but God will. There's something about humility that makes us incredibly attractive and strong. And that happens when we give credit to God where credit is due. There were just so many sayings flying around me and found a way to put them in the sermon, tweaking them. So here we have a man of great character standing before Pharaoh, ready to hear him out, 
and then provide an answer, whatever God would show him. So Pharaoh begins to explain his dream to him, and he tells him about the good cows and the bad cows and the funny-looking grain and the not-so-good-looking, all those things and how they're eating each other and this crazy dream. And Joseph is just listening to him. Then with a steady confidence, the steady confidence he had in the Lord, with that amazing way he had of stewarding his gifting, he begins to interpret the dream for Pharaoh. And he tells him that both dreams are actually the same dream. The seven healthy cows and the heads of grain are seven years of abundance. And then the seven ugly cows and the bad heads of grain were seven years of famine. And he goes on to say this. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt. But seven years of famine will follow them. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows it will be so severed. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God and God will do it soon. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and I can, I can just imagine Pharaoh freaking out because who wouldn't? He's in charge of this whole thing. But God in his mercy and in his compassion, he provides not only the warning, not just the heads up like FYI, that's coming. He also provides a pathway forward, a strategy that Pharaoh can follow. So Joseph lays it all out before him and says, Pharaoh should look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt. In that way, the country will not be ruined by the famine. Do you see how specific and detailed is this plan that God is sharing with Pharaoh? Did you pick that up? Listen, Pharaoh, you got to find a person with these qualities. And once you find that person, they should, they should be in charge of the whole thing. And then you're going to find commissioners from all over the land. And they're going to work together. And the instruction is going to be this. One-fifth, exactly one-fifth of everything you harvest is going to be stored away. You're going to keep it in a special reserve so that when the bad times come, you'll be just fine. What a strategy. Talk about strategic thinking. Our God is a God of strategy, and I've always said that, and I love that about God. And when we take the time to seek him, when we tune our ears to, what, to, to hear what the Spirit is sharing with us, when we believe that God will give us a pathway forward, guess what? He does. He does, but we don't always have the patience or the practice or the sheer determination to come before him and not make a single move until we have heard from him. When was the last time you, you were after God in that way? When was the last time you sought his guidance like that? A few years ago, I started believing this for myself. I would hear people talk about how God told them to do this, this, and that, and turn left and right, and I would be like, wow, I want to hear from God like that. So I started studying and getting together with people that would teach me, because no one gets to the top alone. And then one day I just decided to believe that for myself. And that revolutionized my, my, my relationship with God. That changed, changed things forever. 
And I know that the key to that change was in me reading the Bible more or praying for longer, although there's nothing wrong with that. The key for me was believing that God could talk to me like that. That if I sought him with all my heart and soul, God would always provide a way forward, especially when it comes to the dreams he shared with us. I once heard a saying, another saying, that has stayed with me ever since I heard it. And it says, a vision without a strategy remains an illusion. And that is so true. I heard it, woo. Yes, that's what I did when I heard it, woo. That is so true. And how many of us treat God's dreams that way? Like nothing more than an illusion. If God shares with us a dream, that means he's got a plan for us. And if he's got a plan for us, that means he's got a strategy too. And we can come before him and ask him. If we seek him, again, with all our heart, with our might, with all our soul, we can rest assured knowing that he will provide the pathway forward. Knowing that whether we turn to the right, you know this passage, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, follow it. That's what God was saying to Pharaoh through Joseph. This is the way, Pharaoh, follow it. And he did. The story says that Pharaoh really liked the idea and the plan that Joseph was suggesting. And something must have happened in Pharaoh's heart that revealed to him that this wasn't any man, that the Spirit of God was speaking through him. Because we see a shift in him in this moment, because the, the dream, the interpretation wasn't great. It was bad news. I mean, good news, but a lot of bad news. And last time Pharaoh had heard this, something that he didn't like, what did he do? He sent people to prison. That was just his way of doing things, his MO. I don't like it, I'll send you back. And, and how many times do we do that with God? And he's saying something to, God, to us and we go, da, 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 no, no, not that, not that, anything but that. I said that so many times. <laughs> but this time it was different. Pharaoh recognized something in this man, in Joseph. And he looked around at his officials and said, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom the Spirit of God is? That was obviously a rhetorical question because immediately after, right after, he turns to Joseph. And then in that moment, he forever changes the course of his life. And I don't know if this was a big ceremony or if he just started talking to him, but these are the words that he shared with Joseph. Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes, remember the robe, of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command and people shouted before him, make way, make way, Joseph is coming. Thus he put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. If you ever have doubts that God can make a way for you, just read, read this story. This is a real story, it's not a tale, in case you were wondering. This is true life. 
There's nothing impossible for God. And we may be tempted to say that, that things changed for Joseph in just one day, boom. That one day he, he woke up in prison and things changed and it was just one day. But, but that's not true. We know that it might seem like that, but we know that it was his entire journey what took him to that place. The entire journey. And for some of us, the top of the mountain may seem far, it may seem high, it may seem rough, it may even seem unsurpassable. But the day is coming, and I believe that, when God will put you in those high places because that's how faithful he is. And when you stand in, in there, in those high, pla- high places, when you, when you get there, you'll see how the entire journey was so worth it. I can still remember all the things I felt when I got to the top of that mountain. The journey had been so long and and so hard and I told you that I fell a lot, I did. If I tell you I fell 15 times, I'm really underestimating things. I felt so dumb, I was the one that fell the most. It was always like, well, there goes Gabby again. Come on, come on, come on. I fell and fell and fell and fell. My legs would not respond. the, The whole thing took us 12 hours. We started at 4.30 in the morning. It was 1 p.m. and we were still not there. And you can only imagine my joy when I got to the top. That moment, standing at the top of that mountain, looking at the beauty of God's creation, was one of the most amazing things I've ever experienced. And within seconds of getting to the top, I realized the significance of that moment. And I remembered how 10 years ago, I was told that I would never walk again. And here I was, standing at the top of a mountain, not just any mountain, a mountain in Patagonia, because God is so good. He is that good. So Thank you. So I just fell to my knees, and I cried. And I cried and cried and cried. And my guide must have realized how important that moment was for me. I did not stage that. I didn't know he was taking a picture. He took a picture and he said, I figured that was important to you, so I took this for you. I was like, yeah, pretty cool. (laughs) But I stayed there for 5, 10, 15 minutes. I don't know. I could not stop crying. I couldn't take it in. It was so much. It was so gorgeous. And and pictures will, it looks pretty, but pictures will never do justice to the real things, but, but I did take a video as I was getting to the top, and I'm gonna show it to you. It was super windy, so you can't hear a thing of what I say, so I added captions for you. So let's, let's watch it. Isn't that cool? It was so cool. When you get to the top of a mountain like that, you completely forget about the pain. 
I felt nothing but joy. You look back and, and you realize that everything was worth it. The pain, the stretch, the cold weather, and even the falls. And that's what we learned from Joseph's story this morning. That no matter how long or how challenging it may be, staying faithful throughout the journey is just as important, if not more important, than reaching the top. Because along the, the way, God will speak to us, he will shape us, he'll transform us and prepare us for the amazing plans he has prepared for each one of us. Do you believe that about God? Yes. Good. I do too. So let's review things one more time by way of summary. A few things we highlighted. Number one, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a God-given dream. Which dreams has God shared with you? Have you forgotten about them? Is he sharing something to you right now? How are you going to steward that? Number two, no one gets to the mountaintop alone. No one. Who has God brought alongside you in your journey? I want, I want you to think about any personal success that you've accomplished or experienced, anything, graduating from school or buying your new house or getting a promotion. Think about something. Can, can you think of something? Yes? Maybe? Yes. Okay. This is going to work out for one person. It's okay. <laughs> think about that moment. Can you think about the people that help you get there? I'm sure you can. The people that, that supported you and that came alongside you, maybe that gave you that opportunity. Have you thanked them for that role in your life? Do they know how you feel about them? Maybe it's time to write a letter to someone. Three, give credit to God where credit is due. <laughs> Let's just not forget that humility and patience are, are one of the best teachers in our journey. How is God shaping your character these days? I'll give you a hint. It's probably something you're not enjoying. <laughs> and lastly, a vision without strategy remains an illusion. And we know that our God is a God of strategy and, and that he has a plan. And if he has a plan, that means he has a strategy and a pathway for us. So what are the next steps the Lord is showing you? And these may look like very simple questions at first glance, but they truly have the power to unlock things within us, to, to shape us and to empower us to keep trusting God and not give up until we've reached the places where he has promised us he'll take us. Maybe it's easier if we see it in a diagram for those of you that are a little bit more visual. I did that. When God shares with you a dream, he does it with all intent and purpose. It's never for the sake of keeping you entertained. Like, here you go, a little movie. There are things about you, qualities, talents, and gifts that no one else has. And those qualities, talents, and gifts he wants to share with the world. And you may think at times that you are, you're not great, you're not that good, or you may think the dreams you have are way too big for, they come, for them to come true. But if God planted them in your heart, that means he's got a plan. 
And he'll bring the right people to come alongside you and help you. He will bring people to your life that will inspire you, that will teach you, that will stretch you, that will give you opportunities. And hopefully one day you'll be that person for someone else too. And not only will God bring people alongside you, he will also give you a plan and a strategy. He will show you the next steps along the way because he always does. Sometimes it's not right away because we know God sometimes waits, but he always gives us a pathway forward. That is if we're patient enough to listen, of course. He will teach you how to discern his voice and as you learn how to hear him and how to trust him, you will grow, trust me. And you'll probably get, in, get it wrong a few times, many times, a million times perhaps. Like that, your life will look a little bit like that. But it's in those moments that your character will get shaped because God isn't as worried about where you're getting and we've all heard this. He's not as worried about where we're getting as much as he's concerned about who we are becoming. And what's her mission here at Cedar Mill? Do you know it? Becoming like Jesus and making him known. And when I look at the life of Joseph, that's what I see him doing. Throughout his entire journey, he was becoming like Jesus. And when he was facing Pharaoh, when he was at the top, he was making him known. That's what he was doing. And that's what we continue to do to this day. We're just following his example. And then when we least expect it, God has a way of surprising us with mountaintop moments that remind us of his goodness and his faithfulness. And each one of those mountaintops will also help us grow in our faith and they will shape us and slowly but surely by his grace and by his power, not by our will or strength, by his grace and power, you'll get closer and closer to your destiny, the places and the blessings that God has prepared for you from the beginning of time, amen? Amen. From dreams to destiny. That's the name of our series. That's a big, big part of our journey. How we go from one to the other. That's life for us. And as we wrap this message up, I want to invite you to consider joining me in a prayer. A prayer to recommit our pathway to the Lord. Because maybe we've gone astray a prayer to reclaim the dreams that God has given us because maybe we've forgotten. A prayer to simply say, Lord, I need your help. Or Lord, I don't really know who you are, but I'd like to give it a chance. If you're in any of those places, I want you to join me in this prayer. In fact, I want to ask you, just by way of symbolism, we've been talking about symbolism of dreams and, and things that God shows us. Will you raise your hand as a symbol of, of your dedication to the Lord, of, of your choice to, to turn your ways, to, to go back to him, to reclaim one of those dreams? Is there anyone here that wants to pray a prayer to come back? That's, that's wonderful. There's a lot of hands. So let's pray together. Father God, we come before you with open hearts and open arms, aware of our great need for you, aware of our shortcomings, but also very aware of your greatness, your goodness, and your amazing grace. And we ask you, Father, to take this step we're taking 
and to, and to come and be Lord of all things we do, Lord of our pathway, Lord of our thoughts, Lord of our dreams. Help us embark on this journey with you again or for the first time, knowing that in you all things are possible and that with you we cannot do anything, Lord. Amen. We repent from our ways, Father. We recognize that you, you are God. Not me, not my job, no one else and nothing else. So help us, Father, walk with you. Help us learn and discover how you want to shape us and grow us and love us. Help us receive that today. We love you, Father, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 There's one more thing I want to share with you about Joseph. The fact that his story and his character point us to the character of Jesus. Because just like Joseph... Jesus was also treated unjustly. He was thrown into a dark pit. And in the midst of it all, he remained faithful. He humbled himself and became obedient, Philippians 2. And, became, and obedient even to death. And through that obedience, he paved the way so that we could reach those high places with him. So that in him and because of him, we could have victory. Whatever you're going through, Whatever challenge, whatever doubt, whatever question, you can rest assured knowing that in him you have victory. We have victory. So as you approach the table this morning, remember that. Remember that you're not alone, that Jesus has paved the way. Let's remember his life. We tend to remember his death, and we should, and resurrection. But let's remember his life, just like Joseph's life, and how he was faithful every step of the way. And he did all of that for us. He did all of that for you. That's the God you'll encounter when you come to the table. That's the good news that you'll receive when you come before him. So think about his body as well, broken for you. Think about his blood shed for you. And then when you are ready, when you've, when you've had a, a, a time, an intimate time with the Lord, then take the elements whenever you're ready.